For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome back to On My Block, Green Bay Packers podcast. This is the preview edition. We're talking about the Packers versus the Washington Commanders this week. As always, On My Block is presented by Bet Online AG. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball the playoffs. Right now should be very interesting. NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for your sports information from live in-game betting to props and futures. So head to let head to bet online today or use a mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V to receive your 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You put in 100, they match you for 100. That's a great deal. Bet online where the game starts. I'm your host, Mike Wallamon's out today, so we're going to be doing this solo. I'm going to bring some video in. Should be fun. Let's start off with Packers are negative, uh, excuse me, Packers are five-point uh, favorites going into Washington. The Commanders really that a team that's kind of looking in the mirror of, one, uh, of itself. Uh, right now, the Packers are experiencing their worst six-game stretch from an offensive production standpoint in Aaron Rodgers' career. They've allowed 14 sacks. More knockdowns, honestly, than I can remember, uh, particularly coming off that Jets game. Just a... Uh, just a tough day, I think, all around for, for the backfield and the offensive line. Rodgers backpedaled a little bit. I think when he, he talked about a simplified statement earlier in the week, Matt LaFour came back at him, and then he, he uh, I don't want to say he backpedaled, but he clarified. It really comes down to ex- execution. And I think there's there's probably, you know, when I look at this from a player's standpoint, listen, certainly – you can look at individual players and they make mistakes here and there. And we saw, you know, we, I, we put out some clips earlier in the week. It's not just the right guard. It's not just the right tackle. It's, it's guys that have had success in the past. It's Mercedes Lewis. It's uh it's, it's the left tackle on a TE. It's, it's, it's GRJ not having one of his best games. You know, our receivers aren't making plays in the passing game. Like maybe they could, they're not holding the red line on their, on their nine routes and leaving that space open for Aaron to drop the ball in between them and the sideline. Like there are things that we can improve on, I think individually, there's no question about it. And, and being technical masters and really focusing on your individual technique and your ability to win your 1v1 matchup is the value in the National Football League. In other words, if I can't win my 1v1 matchup, that means that my team has to hide me every single play. Now, there's going to be games, and this was one of those games, I think, for the offensive line, where the Jets' defensive line and the way that they penetrate required us to design a game plan around the fact that we would get beat 1v1 like we said the week before, we will get beat 1v1 if we continue to try to run play side and, and do or have our guards block their defensive tackles that penetrate. It happened in the game. We said it before it was going to happen. It actually happened in the game. We thought they would double team and they didn't. They ended up getting beat and everybody was kind of surprised that we got beat so bad. But really, if you watch the tape, you have to make the you have to put your players in a position to be advantageous. You have to create the conditions for success. So I think Aaron's saying, in the one hand, yeah, of course we have to play better, but on the other hand, Aaron Rodgers has a PhD in offense. He has a PhD in football. His football IQ is off the charts. He's probably the smartest person in the building when it comes to on-field scheme design and play football IQ. 
So Aaron would probably, I think the other thing he might be saying, and I'm speculating, but I've been around Hall of Fame quarterbacks before and very, very smart quarterbacks, guys like Matt Hasselbeck, Jake DeLome, Doug Peterson. These guys would rather have, let's say, eight concepts in a game where their wide receivers, their tight ends, their running backs know the eight concepts against every defense they're going to see, know all the side adjustments they have to make, and can run them 100% full speed, no hesitation, balls to the wall, and be able to execute, automate all your technique, go into decision-making mode, read and react, and make plays. And when you see the playbook expanding, in other words, when you see the call sheet getting bigger, when the font's getting smaller because they're trying to fit more things into the call sheet, now you have, especially with the inexperienced receiver room, you have a lot more that, that's on their plate and they can't become masters at those eight concepts, right? So when you're in a game, when you're in the middle of the week and you're practicing and getting ready for this game, and let's say the offense has 40 plays to run a day. If you're wasting four, five plays, 10% of your calls on things that you probably shouldn't be running anyways because they're excessive. Now you're wasting reps and you're wasting reps and they're taking away from the decisions you could be making as a receiver, as a running back, as a tight end on the good plays, on the plays that Aaron Rodgers likes and wants to run. We're taking time and reps away from those. So we're not executing those at the level that he's accustomed to. So I think it's a little bit of, yes, we have to positively execute better. We have to create, we have to individually work on our technical mastery. We have to be able to go into every situation and have enough awareness about ourselves to understand what the defense is lining up in, what adjustments we have to make, whether on the line of scrimmage, whether you're talking about the secondary, whether you're talking about defensive tackle, defensive end, linebackers, et cetera. Like every game has tells. And if you're not confident and you don't know exactly what you're doing, you're worried about your stuff and you should be worried about their stuff. You should be reacting to what you see. And then the other part of it is let's, we can do that. If we simplify this down, let them think less, let them play more. And on the defensive side, I don't think this was a bad performance by any means. I know there's a lot of talk about the, you know, there's three drives in this, you know, the fourth quarter of the game, but for three quarters, listen, you're playing a heck of a game. And as we move forward and you kind of look at the opportunities ahead, particularly in this week, you're going up against an offensive line that has had protection problems. Now, part of that's a function of Carson Wentz, who's not playing this week, but I think they've given up 23 sacks on that offensive line in, in, in Washington. So we already know Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, uh, Kenny Clark, Dean, mean Dean Lowry, they're all kind of looking at this like, okay, we can get kind of back on track. This team does not have a great running game. So they're feeling like we can put them in situations where they're going to drop Tyler, uh, Taylor Haneke back. Now, I think I personally think Heineke is going to be play, playing better than Carson Wentz. I think that this is a shot in the arm that these guys probably need. I think Wentz is unfortunately being moved around so many times in the last couple of years. He's just not the player he used to be, and he probably doesn't have the confidence. He just probably doesn't bring the confidence to the huddle that these guys are used to seeing. And, and I, you hear guys like Terry McLaren talking about Taylor Heineke and what he brings to the table. I think they're excited about the opportunity to play with this kid. So I don't think it's going to be a, a rollover game by any means. I think they're going to be kind of game for it. They play in a, you know what we used to think is the NFC lease, but this conference has some good football teams in it right now. They have three teams that are actually very good or all playoff bound as we speak. So Washington commanders uh, are, are certainly a force to be reckoned with for, unfortunately for these three and three green Bay Packers right now. One thing on defense that we do need to pick up the pieces on a little bit is, is picks. We have one interception. We have three forced fumbles and fumble recoveries. We have four turnovers total. Now, this is a defense. Again, we talk about seven people on that are first-round picks. We have to 
get more takeaways. We're minus four in the take in the in the in the turnover ratio right now. Now with an Aaron Rodgers led team, that has to be six seven games into the season. That has to be a rarity, and part of it's because we haven't done a great job taking care of the ball uh, again for the Aaron Rodgers era on offense. But we're just not getting we're not getting picks. We're not getting turnovers like we should. Uh, most of the things have come into the pocket with quarterback sacks. And you just think with all the talent we have in the secondary, and we thought last week we'd be playing a little more, you know, a little more close to the chest. I know Jerry Alexander followed around their first round pick last last game for most of the game. We did run some DB pressures. We did run some dogs. Uh, some of them worked, some of them didn't. But, you know, generally you saw back, you're sitting back in that four shell. And look, there's a stat out there that says that the Green Bay Packers um, – are number one in passing yards against, but they're also number one in completion percentage, which means that we're giving up. We're very, very happy to give up short passes, and then we just have to try to tackle them in front of the ball. So we're not giving up these big plays because we're playing that four shell, that two shell really deep, but we are giving up a lot of third down plays, unfortunately, because you know third and medium, and you're, if you're sitting 10 yards off and you're leaning five or seven, it's not that hard to complete a pass. And so I think what we thought was going to happen last week, we'd like to see continuation of or maybe an improvement on as far as being able to build out this defense a little bit more given the talent that we had. Now, the other thing that I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about it because we talked about it on some other shows. We talked about it on the show before, and AG and I have our have our thoughts on this as, as guys that have been in the, the locker room in Green Bay and also played for some other teams. Is there a systemic problem in Green Bay with regards to culture? Um, there's things that, you know, this is adversity. This is what adversity looks like a three and three team. This is what a lot of other teams live with on the yearly, but with the green Bay Packers with an, uh, you know, 30 years of hall of fame quarterback play, you just don't see the ineptitude at the, uh, especially on the offensive side that we've seen out of this team. This is, and this is a struggle. And what I'll say is, and again, I'm not in the building. I have a lot of people that are in the building that we just don't talk during the season. I, I'm certainly not speaking for anybody. I have no sources. I'm just telling you what I know as an athlete, what I what what I know being in these rooms and also being as a coach on the other side, what happens with some of these teams. Nathaniel Hackett and Luke Getze, we don't know how valuable they were in this. They're struggling right now. Getze's not doing great as offensive coordinator. Nathaniel Hackett's having a, a hell of a time as the head coach of the Denver Broncos right now. Those are different jobs and different job, job requirements than they, than they had in Green Bay. In the last couple of years in Green Bay, the offense has found more success than it's finding right now. Adam Stenovich was a great line coach. Is he a great offensive coordinator? Is, is he responsible for the design, the play calling? How does that all work? Matt LaFleur is obviously calling plays, and he he, um, he has his stamp on this. But this is the first time that this team, this coaching staff that's been 3-13 and for three years, has found adversity. And last week with Robert Salah at the end of the game talking about how we're going to, you know, at halftime he's telling his guys, we're going to take the Packers to the deep side of the, you know, the deep water until they realize they can't swim. That is a hell of a statement from an NFL coach. That is a hell of a statement about where he thinks the toughness, the grit, you know, the, the, the growth mindset, whatever, whatever adjectives you want to use in reference to the culture in that building, that's a hell of a statement against the Green Bay Packers and against that coaching staff. Because if you think you can take our team and pound on them and pound on them and pound on them, and they're going to roll over, 
And that's the message that you're going to deliver. Not that it's a heavyweight fight, not that we're going to keep you know swinging, but we're going to deliver body blow after body blow until they realize they can't keep up. And they know that to be, and he, he says it with, with conviction and, and Robert Salah coach team looks like they have conviction. Brian Dayball coach team looks like they have conviction. In what the coach is saying, you have to question, you at least have to bring it up. Do the Packers feel the same way? And I guess we'll see as we move forward, because not only do we have the commanders coming up, but we have the Buffalo bills the week after that, this, this, the, um, the schedule certainly isn't getting any easier, but I do think, when I look at this team, I don't think I think they have a lot of talent. I'm sure that they have a you know some some of the defensive players I would say are probably what we would just call tough guys, football players. I think Kenny Clark's a tough guy. I think Rashawn Gary. I think Preston Smith. I think Devondre Campbell. I think they're tough guys. I think Amos is a tough guy. If you ask me who on this team puts physical fear into the opponent on the offensive side, I don't know what the answer is there. I don't know if they have an offensive unit full of tough guys or if they have tough guys on the offense. And I'm not, that's not a put down, man. There's a lot of good football players on that side. Bakhtiari is a better player than I'll ever be or ever. <laughs> Excuse me. Bakhtiari has been a better player than I ever was, but I don't know coming off the injuries and everything. I just don't know who is the enforcer. Who's the guy that when Quinn and Williams is coming off the ball, screaming 30 miles an hour upfield, who's the guy that's going to punch him in the mouth. Who's the guy's going to get in their face? Who's the going to guy walk right through their huddle? Who's that guy? Who's that guy that puts people over piles consistently? It could be a wide receiver. could be a tight end. Should be an offensive lineman. Who is that guy? Aaron Jones might be that guy for them, but I don't know if they have anybody else. It'll be interesting to see how that goes moving forward. And speaking of moving forward, the Packers really have to focus on, from a staff standpoint, putting their players in advantageous positions to be successful and then giving them tools to find success. So I don't know. I, when I look at the breakdowns from an offensive line standpoint, a lot of people want to talk about all the sacks they're giving up and pressures. And it's true. They're, they're not playing well. Aaron, this is the first time I've, I've seen Aaron see the rush since he was a younger player. He's seen that he missed, he's missed a couple of throws because he saw the rush and he's moving around. His eyes are not maybe as disciplined as they have been because he's been getting hit too often. Individual breakdowns, scheme breakdowns, as far as not executing the scheme like it's supposed to, not communicating with the with the other members of the offensive line, going rogue, tight ends having problems, uh, running backs not delivering a blow in the A gap like they need to. If you are losing from a technical standpoint in this game, you are doing yourself a disservice, and your coaches are doing yourself a dis- doing your, your, you a disservice. Let's pretend that. The Green Bay Packers have IBM's Watson on the sideline calling offensive plays. And the Jets, the Commanders, the Giants, they have IBM's Watson on defense calling the perfect play. When it comes down to it, we can talk about scheme and we can talk, you know, all these coaches get hired because they're great scheme designers and they're they're wonderful at designing all these plays. They're going to make us look great. But at the end of the day, two equal opponents, scheme-wise, technique wins. Grit wins, resiliency wins, persistence wins. The things that you practice, the skills that you have to learn, the things you don't learn walking down the sidewalk, blocking and tackling, those detailed techniques, simple movement patterns, built into techniques, combined with decision-making, turn into skills. Those are what determine the outcome of the game. 
Your 1v1 matchups determine the outcome of the game. You're not doing it because it's not practice time, training camp, all this nonsense. It's nonsense. Don't let anybody tell you that. If if people on the Green Bay Packers or the Washington Commanders or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if they want to get better, there are places to get better. There are ways to get better. You can practice on your own. You can go find another coach. I mean, people do this all the time, and they do it very simply because they know that they're making a ton of money and their face is on camera in front of millions of people every weekend, and it's their responsibility to show up and play the best they can. So if you don't feel like you are technically proficient enough to block Quinn and Williams, go get better. Take time outside of practice if that's what's required. You do whatever is required to get the job done, period. And if your coaches aren't demanding it, shame on them, but shame on you. Do everything you can to be prepared for this next game. Walk off the field after Saturday's walkthrough, confident that you have done everything in your power to be prepared and supremely confident that you have prepared yourself to create the conditions for success at the individual level and therefore for the team level. That is the goal every week. Did I create the conditions for success for myself and my team through my actions during the week? It's that easy. And defensively, details and urgency. And this attitude I'm talking about, this this toughness, show it. Show it. Because that's what this team needs. They need an identity. And we can talk about offensive, defensive identity. The team needs an identity. We are not a feared team. The Packers are not a feared team. You want to be a feared team? Start finishing plays through the whistle. Start yipping a little bit more. Get a little more excited and a little less casual about physically destroying the person in front of you. Take pride in that every single play and let people know about it. Let's talk about the Washington Commanders and what we have to look up for next week. I'm going to go through a couple clips here on tape. First of all, we're five-point favorites. It went down from five and a half. I just don't know if anybody's taking that bet. Now, <clears throat> we're going to talk about the commander's defense. They're a base four down. They have four first-round draft picks. Chase Young's out, so three first-round draft picks. Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen. Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne might be the best D-tackle combination in the league. They're going to give us trouble if we try to single-block them, if we try to sit back and just pass-pro the entire game. Now, they're not penetrating defenders like we saw last week. In other words, they're not two yards up the field after their first step like you saw with Quinn and Williams. But these guys are high, high-level first-round picks. They can play. Jonathan Allen is probably top three defensive tackle in the league. Deron Payne is, is very, very good. And Montez Sweat, I'll just make it very simple. Montez Sweat in the run game in particular is, is very good. And we should uh, almost by law – Run it where he is not because you can capture edges. You can run gap schemes. You can double team. You can do a bunch of things, toss cracks against this team we're going to show right now. Run it at anybody else. Run it at 95. Run it at Obada, 97. They're available. This is where, as a coaching staff, you have to put in some extra work and not just look at scheme design, but look at matchups. Look at Quinton Williams is going to beat us if we go single block. I'm going to double team him. Jonathan Allen's going to beat us if we single block. I'm going to get two. I'm going to get four hands. I'm going to get two shoulder pads on him. Montez Sweat, 
I'm not going to try to run toss crack with, with uh, Alan Lazard, even though Alan Lazard's awesome. I think Montez Sweat in this particular situation is a little bit better at defeating the toss crack than Alan Lazard is at, at, at using it. I might be wrong, but I'm going to bet that he can do it against the other guys every single time. So I think there's a couple specific ways to attack this team that you get excited about on tape. And, and the first one, and maybe the most, they're secondary. First of all, they lead the league in sacks with 23 or 27. I can't remember the number. The They've given up. Uh, let's see. They are 27th and 28th. We are both 27th, 20th respectively in turnover margin. They're middle of the, they're middle of the, the pack from a passing standpoint. They miscommunicate on a lot of stuff in the passing game. And when they get scared, they run deep because they don't want to get beat. So they get beat underneath. They've got five players that are averaging, averaging over three sacks a game. Okay. They can bring dogs and blitzes. Their linebackers are particularly vulnerable, run and pass. They are kind of the weakness of their team. And we'll show you why. Their corners are feast and famine. So St. Just is, is having a heck of a year. And Kendall Fuller is everybody's throwing against him. So let's look at this now. A couple plays in the game, passing opportunities. Now, first off, under center, full play action pass, back turn to the, to the line of scrimmage. This is a great way to attack these guys. Now you see we had motion. We come over and we automatically do a, a quick switch. So we have some communication issues on down here underneath. We're trying to get across. You see that the corner just keeps bailing, keeps bailing. And look at the space created here for the wide receiver. And you're going to show it here on the end zone copy. They go motion. We go play action pass and look at those guys get sucked up. Talking about the linebackers here, perfect pocket, perfect window to throw, tons of space to throw, easy throw and catch, right? Explosive plays. We go motion again and you immediately run a switch up top. We're looking up top here. They have a very difficult time when receivers switch positions on communication. Crossing route, we didn't see crossing routes all, all year, but crossing routes are key to this game. We can get them. They do not do a good job at linebackers of bumping off crossing routes. They don't do a good job at zone defense of, of passing them off. Here we go, play action pass underneath again. These guys have gotten beat deep a lot. I don't know if we have Watson's out. I don't know if we have the speed to beat them deep, but we certainly have the opportunity. We go motion. We come back underneath with the crossing route. The quick slant. You see that again. It's simple. They motion across. And now up top, we're going to switch back underneath. Why is that important? Because the flat defender has now has now outleveraged himself and he's given up the inside. Makes for a shorter throw, easy throw, explosive play. Under center, we have play action pass. We have another crossing route. Again, if we go back. This is the kind of stuff that we can feast on 
from Green Bay's standpoint, because when you put you turn your back to the defense and you show the ball and play action pass, their rush, their first thing they want to do is they want to get four, they want to get two hands on stack and they want to read. That gives us a chance to get underneath ourselves. We can get double teams. But look up top here. The crossing route's going to come from the furthest up field. They do a bad job of rerouting here at the linebacker position. Easy pitch and catch. Huge play. You see it here, 55. Should immediately, his eyes should go over there, but they don't. He's late. He doesn't reroute. Problem. So let's go run game. And this is just outside zone. Again, this is a play with Mercedes Lewis, one of the best blocking tight ends in the last 15 years. Here and here, Brandon Schreff right here getting double team on Jonathan Allen. Look at the movement we get. Capture the edge, come off. Look at that hole. And this is just basic football. We do not have to overcomplicate this. You go to where your strengths are. Your strengths overpower their weaknesses. We run the gap scheme, counterplay. We'll look end zone copy and watch the linebackers, 55 in particular here. We wash down the three technique. We wash down the three technique with a double team. 55 needs to come tight. No discipline, scrapes wide. Huge hold down the middle. We had guard kick out at the defensive end. Fullback has an easy block here because 55 has taken the wrong track. And it's just a simple thing where it's happening so fast. Sometimes it's hard for the linebacker to make the right read. We got another outside toss crack play. Safety wants to come up and fill, but why I'm showing this is because this receiver is looking inside, foots back, could not be more obvious that he should be going here. And he still takes a poor step. Now, the receiver doesn't do a great job here, but because that defensive end is not aware, right? Backup defensive end is not aware. They get another explosive play. And those are the kind of things, those are the opportunities that we have. Those are all plays that we run. Those are all plays that, this, that, that are in this offense. And so when you start thinking about how to attack somebody, it's scheme, clearly, but it's also understanding they do a poor job of communication on the back end. They'll have a ton of on play action as the backers get cleared up so there's space in the middle of the field. If you run away from the certain personnel or you double-team certain personnel, you can get movement. I didn't even go into the double-double looks that we like to run with two tight ends. You see that a lot with Philadelphia. They have success. You can move them off the line. I just don't know. We're not quite Philadelphia's offensive line, quite frankly. So I wanted to show the toss crack, the gap schemes, things that we've run successfully, things that Aaron Jones likes to run, things that A.J. Dillon likes to run. So if we go into this game with keys to the game being, number one, Packers defense, pressure equals picks. Got a backup quarterback. Yes, I think he's going to play better than Carson Wentz, honestly. But this offensive line is going to allow you to create pressure. You can create it with a four-man rush, a five-man rush, a six-man rush. Can you create pressure on Taylor Heineke and force picks? Defensively. Can we exploit the big play opportunities? I just showed explosive plays. Can you exploit 
big play opportunities that they give up by scheme, by personnel, and by matchup. Can we let our strengths overpower their weaknesses? Keep it simple. And then the last thing, we have to create a demeanor. The Green Bay Packers have to figure out who they are from a demeanor standpoint. We can talk about, oh, we're a run team, we're a pass team, we're a defense, we're offense. What is the demeanor on the field? Show us the joy that is being a Green Bay Packer. Show us the joy and the confidence that is being, that is playing for the best franchise in the National Football League. Wearing the green and gold. Having that pride. Having that fun. Having that love for the, like, you love your teammates, you love your brotherhood. Show it. Show it in the way you interact with one another, the excitement that you have. The way that you talk to the other team when you physically defeat them. Show it. Show it. That's the identity that we want to see. That's the identity that that locker room needs to see. Coaching staff, players, personnel, it's all got to come together. It's got to be this, got to be this culture of domination. I call it perpetual supremacy. Got to get there. Last thing of the week, guys. I guess we could do a couple. Let's do a couple picks. I'll go through Lions, Cowboys, Lions by seven. Excuse me. Cowboys by seven. I'm taking, I'm taking the Lions on that. Cowboys are at home. Lions been scoring a lot of points. So I don't see them stopping scoring points. I know they got shut up by, uh, by New England a couple weeks ago, but listen, they were averaging like 36 points until then. I think we're going to get back on track. The Detroit Lions have the best offensive line in the NFC North, and um, they're going to be able to handle the Dallas Cowboys defensive line. That'll be an interesting game, though. Colts-Titans. Colts could come back here and actually have a positive record after the start that they had. That's interesting. They're, they're two-and-a-half-point underdogs. I'm going to take the Colts in that one, too. Tennessee at home. Uh, uh, Jets-Broncos. Jets. Uh, Broncos are favored by a point-and-a-half at home. I can't believe that. I think the Jets are going to uh, walk away with that game. I think that that team's just going downhill. Um, you just don't see any end inside. I saw, I think I saw a subway commercial with Russell Wilson today. It made me think that they might not win another game the rest of the year. We got Texans at Raiders, Raiders by seven. I'm definitely taking the Texans in that one. I think their offensive line is going to be able to handle the pressure on the edge. Their two tackles are really good. And um, I think that's going to be a close one in Las Vegas. Chiefs Niners might be the marquee matchup. Chiefs are favored by two and a half. San Francisco 49ers uh, at home. I hate. I hate betting against the Niners, but I hate betting against Patrick Mahomes even more. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs by two and a half. Seattle Seahawks at Los Angeles. I see the Seahawks winning this game. The Chargers, something going on with the Chargers. I don't know if it's because Rashawn Slater's out and Nick Bosa's out, or excuse me, Joey Bosa's out. But those, they're just not playing. They don't look great um, on both sides, of the, both sides of the line of scrimmage. Max having a good year, but Bosa is probably the most, um, Bosa right now is, for me, when I watched the preseason and early, uh, early, the, early in the year, he is the most disruptive defensive football player, not named Micah Parsons or Aaron Donald. So he's in the top three. Him being out's a big deal. Rashawn Slater is one of the best tackles in the league. Him being out's a big deal. I'm going to go with the Seahawks. Steelers, Dolphins, Dolphins by seven at home. I take the Dolphins, whether two of players or not. I think they're just a lot better than the Steelers. And then we got the Monday night game, Chicago at New England, New England by nine. That's a lot of points. That zappy kid's playing pretty well. Let's take the let's take the Patriots. All right. Last thing for us, hero of the week. I gotta give the shout out, man. Kendall Cummings of Evanston, Wyoming. This dude fought a bear off of his buddy and then took a whipping from the bear. They're up finding. I think they're looking for like moose antlers or elk antlers or something. This bear comes out and starts attacking his buddy. There's four of them in the in the woods. 
Kendall Cummings goes and jumps on the bear and starts fighting the bear off his buddy. The bear starts getting after him. I mean, we're talking about a real damn bear now. I mean, they got, they were in the hospital, puncture wounds, broken bones and all this, you know, they're putting their hands in the bear's mouth so they don't get, uh, so the bear doesn't go for their throat. Amazing story. If you have a chance, just type in Kendall Cummings of Evanston, Wyoming. Guy's an absolute hero, man. Hats off to you. Hats off to all four of you guys for, for doing what you did. And uh, that's going to do it for the show. We'll see how the Packers go. Again, it's a five-point game. Uh, I think it's going to be close. I hope it's not. I think the Packers have a lot to show right now as far as, um, you know, what their culture is going to be. You know, what kind of team they want to be, what kind of individuals, uh, you know, what kind of joy they want to show the world as far as how they how they approach the sport, man, because there's a lot of joy in football. And I uh, can't wait to see it this Sunday. All right, signing off, guys. Thanks a lot. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.